so my daughter was born in January, so we knew she was on the way. And I just, you know, not really saying anything at dinner, I just kind of look up for her and said, so draw results came out. And, uh, <laughs> I, I didn't even finish saying what draws I got. She said, didn't even look up from her dinner, just said, uh, well, you better, better get it out of your system. <laughs> Welcome to Muttering Pines, the show where we fumble our way through the outdoors and try and do stuff with our hands. Uh, if so, if I I just want to take a step back. If yes. if I want, so we've got there's so many different types of arrows, and like you can get, like you said, so technical with it. But the other thing is, if I want to start bow hunting. Is I'm so I need a bow, I need arrows. You also need a trigger, like a release. Yep. Um, because for those that don't know, you don't. Well, I guess guys can. Um, you you don't with a compound bow. You don't uh, draw it with your fingers. Um, you clip what's called a release into it, and basically it has a trigger. When you're ready, you pull the trigger. It opens up and it and it fires the bow. So you need a release. You need arrows. You need a bow, and you need to practice. Um, what other sort of like essential? I want to start bow hunting gear, other than like somebody who knows how to hunt. Yep. Take them with you. That's gear. So I would say, um, you know, and not to, you know, I know some people if they're even on a budget, like you can still pace out range and that kind of stuff, right? But when you go out, whether it's on crown land or to the range, you're going to want to start to sight in your pins. So when you start sighting in your pins, you're going to want to know what ranges you're at so you can get them dialed in. So, yep. you know, if, if you got it in the budget, I'd, you know, look for a range finder, um, depending, you know, how, and, you know, one justification, if, if you got to swing it to the wife this way is use it for golf, you could use it for rifle hunting, you could use it for archery hunting. Use it for use it for measuring how far countertops it, in kitchen renovations. There you go. You, you name it; it's, it's, they're universal. Good luck with that one, Darren. Um, <laughs> yep. <laughs> Mine, I think, is shit to bed. So that's the next. What a good tool to use! Like it's a good tool to have. Um, you know, it, even in, especially if you're going to be hunting, you're probably going to want to have um, eventually at some point a rangefinder, uh, like you said, a target. Another one that sometimes people forget is a uh, string wax. Um, so if there's mm-hmm. any repairable or maintenance to do on your bow, um, it'd be, you know, waxing your strings. Um, you know, and people ask, well, how long does a set of strings last? Well, it totally depends on how much you're shooting your bow and how well you take care of it. Um, like I've had the same set of strings for probably three years now. Um, but I wax them often and um, take really good care of the strings. One thing that people can do too is like if you're ever having issues with your bow or the bow is like rattling or you ever hear like any of your hardware is coming a little bit loose, you can either use Loctite on the threads of some of the little screws that you have in your bow or, you know, I've even used like the bowstring wax on the threads and that just helps um, helps them from one seizing up and helps them from rattling loose. And you can do that on your uh, field points of your broadheads too, the threads that screw into your arrow. They always come loose, eh? Yeah, so put a little bit of string wax on there or any wax or, you know, Loctite will break off. Like, you can break it if you want to, right? So anything like that, it just helps, like, helps anything from rattling loose. And, of course, there, if you do have something rattle loose, it's going to happen at the most inopportune time. So little maintenance stuff that you can do mm-hmm. uh, in the off-season or when you're not hunting. Two weird things. Rangefinder. 
for sure. And wax. Wax. Uh, yeah, I totally forgot about the wax. That's a great one. Um, I think we, we've touched on it a little bit, but one thing that I think I don't, I don't know how to phrase that. I don't think a lot of people know this, or maybe they do, and I just, I'm naive. But I think, I don't want to get on a rant here, but when you hear like non-hunters talk about hunters, one of the things I hear all the time is, well, you know, if you're going to hunt, hunt with a bow because, like you said, it is more challenging. And they feel that, you know, hunting with a rifle is not fair. Um, and, you know, so hunting with a bow is more challenging. It's more humane. But I think what a lot of people don't understand, and people getting into bow hunting don't understand either, or may not understand, um, and this kind of leads to another skill that you're going to have to develop, is that when you, okay, so if you shoot something with a rifle, if you're a half-decent shot, at best it's going to jump and then die. If you shoot something with a bow, nine times out of ten, no matter how good that shot is, no matter how humane that shot is, that animal is going to run. And you are going to have to go find it. Yes. And I don't think people realize that when you shoot an animal with an arrow, it's not killing it instantly. Yeah, not like a rifle. Like, no, there's... because a rifle's got shock impact. It's got, like, it turns half the animal into a hamburger, depending on what gun you're shooting. Like, no comparison. Um, yeah. No comparison. So, it's. I don't think it says. You know, it depends on your version of humane. But I, my point is, I don't think people understand that you're going to shoot an animal. You're going to get like, what is it, the 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 boiler room shot, like right through, right through center mass. You can hit the heart, and that thing is still going to go anywhere from ten to two hundred meters. So I guess the question I would have back to that person would be: Is okay? So are you looking for me to be more humane or more fair? I know that might sound weird, but like, okay, call it more fair would be okay. Well, I'm going to have a harder time taking that animal with archery equipment, but more humane. There's hands down, like there's it's, and don't get me wrong. There's a lot of insanely skilled archery hunters that um, do a fantastic job. Like I I concede that, but a rifle is it, it, let's be honest, like it does the job significantly quicker. So I guess it depends. Go into the neck. You can't beat it. It's dead. Yeah. Yeah. But I guess, and the other point I have is that, like, for new uh, hunters, so you, you, you will have to learn the skill of tracking a wounded animal through, I mean, arguably, the woods, unless you're, you're shooting in a field. Well, and that's the, the tough thing, too, right? So um, some of the best people who, at tracking are the ones who are the best at making a decision on when to and when not to track. I know that might sound strange. And again, you don't want to leave an animal too long. It's not saying that. And you don't want to leave it for wolves or coyotes or bears. Like, I get that. Mm-hmm. But if you make a shot that's less favorable or you know maybe it's a little far back or it wasn't a great shot, well, sometimes, like, I would much rather leave an animal and come back for it and give it time to, you know, expire. Um, <laughs> I love it. I was going to say pass on or, well, or retire, but expire is good. But I, but I, I honestly have been there where, you know, you, you're in, you're super excited. And, you know, we, in our group, we have, um, we have a thing where we'll set a timer on our watches or our phones 
and do not move until that timer is up because you get too excited, you get too fired up. Unless you see the thing drop, then we set a timer just because you, you, you're you excited. I get it. You don't want to bump the animal out to kingdom come. Exactly, right? And, you know, elk especially, super hardy animals, they will go, right, um, and go and well, go. adrenaline's and go. a hell of a thing, right? Yeah. And like it could be on the ground and it sees like dying. Yeah. And it sees you okay. and bam up yeah. in like 400 more meters of energy through the woods. Yeah. So you want to give it lots of time and um, as, as much time as you think. And it's a tough decision to make. And, you know, a lot of that comes from experience. But um, when in doubt, wait. When it, Well, they say when in doubt, back out kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's a couple bears that I've shot where. You know, it's kind of questionable, and there's some different signs that, um, and even sounds that, like, a bear will make uh, once you've hit one. You know it's kind of about to expire. Um, and if you don't hear that sound, then it's kind of like, well, give it time, right? Um, and I think that's good for the animal, too, right? Because if you think about it, well, if I now go and bump that animal, like Matt said, um, you know, now that's, it's not good for, it's not good for anything, right? Now it's just bumping the animal. Now they're up, now they're moving. Um, and it just, it reduces, stress. It, right. It reduces your, your chance of finding it. Arguably like the meats, like you have a, I've heard that know, stressed animals. Like what, what is it? Like our, when people say like, Oh, our chickens are happy because they're never stressed out. Right. Like I, I have heard that of like animals that, you know, if you shoot a deer on the run kind of thing, or if you're, Sending lead at one kind of thing. Um, yeah. I guess stressed out, like you can maybe tell. I, I personally haven't been able to tell, um, but I, I definitely have heard that. But, yeah, that's what I would say is wait if you can. Darren and I ran into a, uh, a landowner up by Drumheller that absolutely refused to have any bow hunting on their land anymore because they are, they're a massive landowner, and there were so many shot and they they as as the landowner they would find the kills where people couldn't track them down for whichever reason if they weren't diligent made terrible shots or or whatever but they it was is interesting to hear the different perspectives like we only allow rifle hunting which was different where it's a lot of like smaller landowners were like well no I don't want rifles and they would choose it for the the bullets are going to go too far where a, a, a bow is, yeah, yeah it's, it's a bullets, a bow is going to go a hundred yards and that's pretty much it where they didn't mm-hmm. want the, the casualties. But these guys are like, no, we're only rifle hunting, no bow hunting. That's interesting. I get it though. Yeah. yeah. Like it'd be hard for me oh, for sure. as a landowner and every time you're out in the tractor and the side by side, you're seeing either wounded animals with arrows hanging out of them or finding, you know, dead animals. Yeah. That's the th- kind of like what we know when we first started talking was, um, you know, people thinking that like, you know, you're going to go in and buy a bow this week and go hunting next week. Well, no, like you, you, you got to put in the time and it's better for you. It's better for the, like your experience too, right? There's nothing worse. Like I said before is not finding an animal. Like it's the worst feeling ever. And it's terrible for the animal as well, right? They're getting absolutely you know, eaten by the wolves or coyotes or, you know, now they're, going to live the rest of your life with an arrow sticking out of them kind of thing and that you know you don't want that um so you know you owe it to yourself and to that animal to put in the time and practice and you know not buy a bow this week and go shoot something next week 
I did see uh, a piece of equipment. I don't know. I assume you've seen this because you've probably seen everything. But there is like an on arrow. Uh, it's got a broadhead attached to it, but it's a GPS tracker. So you attach it to your arrow. You fire it, ideally. So, like, I, I mean, this assumes that you're not getting a through and through, right? Like, or a pass through. Oh, it doesn't, like, separate um, itself from the broadhead on the way through? No? No. It's intact with the no, arrow. So you got to almost, yeah, like you're saying, Darren, you just hope that the, the arrow stays intact with the animal. Hits a shoulder blade inside mm-hmm. or something. But, um. I remember when those came out. What are, you, what are your thoughts on that? I don't know. Like, in. Learn, learn to track. Like, if you need GPS to find your animal, maybe you should have taken a different shot. And it's just, it's almost like we're creating more technology and more gadgets to, like, take the place of just, like, good old fashioned practice or, like, just hard work in, in the off season kind of thing, right? Um, you'll never hear a guy like Cam Haynes advocate for GPS tracking arrows. The guy shoots all the time, right? Or like the, the guys who totally. are practicing, you'll never hear them advocate for a GPS tracking arrow. Um, now, does that, you know, I, I get the other side of it, and does it, you know, does it maybe help you on a couple of instances so that you don't lose animals? Yeah, like maybe. Um, but like like we said, like I think so much of it is shot placement and, you know, having the self-control to pass. I think, you know, yeah. With maturity, I think that's, you know, you know, even in my own hunting career is there's maybe some shots that I've taken and I've gotten lucky on, but you look back, it's like, mm, I, th- I got lucky there. Like I, I should have passed. Uh, yeah. Luckily I found this animal, but I probably shouldn't have taken that shot. It's tough too, though. Like one of the, one of the worst feelings I think is having to uh, quote unquote draw down. So you see the animal and you have to uh, basically release yeah. Like, just pull it back yeah. down and be like, not today. And then in hindsight, you're like, ah, that was, that was better. And like yeah. I was saying with... But the, it's, you got you to gotta quell the blood for thirst. <laughs> but it's like... Oh, maturity, shit. Right? And I think there's like a life cycle of a hunter and that's that, you know, and you hope younger hunters get that exposure early, but it's that maturity and knowing when not to shoot. Right? And that's just something that, you know, when I teach my kid how to hunt one day if I get the chance and you know that'll be something that's obviously important is just as important as when to and when especially even more importantly when not to well as a uh, as a new father you have to come to this realization that you will no longer be able to ever hunt just oh yeah yeah your 10 day hunts are now yeah 10 hour honey hour can hour I hour? go up for the afternoon no okay yeah, not even <laughs> Well, it's uh, funny how it worked out. Is like last year I got my muley buck draw, and I got my moose draw last year. So, and I remember like after the draw results came out, um, my wife and I were sitting down for dinner, and um, so my daughter was born in January, so we knew she was on the way. And I just, you know, not really saying anything at dinner. I just kind of look up to her. I said, "So draw results came out." And, uh, <laughs> I, I, couldn't, I didn't even finish saying what draws I got. She said, didn't even look up from her dinner, just said, uh, well, you better better get it out of your system. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, dear. So I've, I've been, yeah. Thank you, dear. You did, though. You had a good season, right? Yeah, yeah. and, you know, there's 
you know, there's going to be plenty of not so good seasons, I'm sure. But yeah, last last year was a pretty good one for us. And, but yeah, at least you know this year I should be able to get out for a day or two for archery muleys out by uh, the Saskatchewan border. And um, lucky enough, um, my wife's good with me doing the elk hunt, so I think we leave September 10th. We'll come back the 17th. Um, so, nice. Yeah, Are you going to come up with us at all? What's that? Where are you guys going? No, he wants to be successful. Up by your place? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, like, there's some big deer up there. And, like, mm-hmm. that's where we got, um, so the both of our moose last year were up there. Obviously, you got some moose on your property. Um, I was just going to say, do you guys want to see a bum? Just just came through. Just standing there just now, eh? Yeah. Well, well, crazy story. So, the, the moose that my buddy shot on, like, November 29th, um, I didn't like, I I've talked to these folks before and I didn't have permission for that year, but I, I, uh, I had in previous years, so I had a bit of a relationship. So, um, we were heading to a spot and we actually spotted one, um, and kind of pulled over and it's like, it just bef- like, it's probably 20 minutes before legal light. And, um, I knew they would be up cause they're up early. So gave her a call, but she said, yeah, you can go ahead. However, everything's got to come out if you do get it. Because they have a buffalo farm there, and they got those high fences. And what she's saying is there's actually grizzlies out there, um, like a pretty yeah. bad like grizzly problem. And what happens is the moose are actually, she said the, the younger moose actually get stuck in the fence, and they'll actually die in the fence, and the grizz are, are getting them. So she said yeah. everything but the guts has got to come out. So we were lucky enough. We got into a good spot and were able to, to take that one. Oh, she let you leave the gut pile good. as well. Okay. Yeah, let us leave the guts, which is kind of nice. And, like, if, if we had to, we would have, I don't know, emptied game bags and took yeah. them out, whatever she needed, right? Cause, right, right. You know, want to follow, the, like, their their wishes as much as possible because they by no means mm-hmm. need to let us go. So um, it was a good bowl, too. And, uh, yeah, got everything out. And, um, you know, luckily where we got it is a pretty clean shot, like, for hiking it out. So we had a couple guys with us, too. We were able to get it out in a couple trips. The funniest part of that story is I know her because she's she was our realtor. She got yep. she got both ours and Scott's place. Yeah, and I was chatting with her. I was like, "So, a friend of mine shot a moose and had to take. He was told he had to take the whole thing." She's like, "I know this story." She's like, "Yeah, because there's grizzlies," and uh, she's like, "Yeah, absolutely." She said it was. Uh, she had to talk to her husband. Yep. Right. Yeah. Yeah, and he hummed and hawed, and he said, "Yeah, if they take it, take it all." And she take said, "You guys did like an excellent job of cleaning it up and everything." Sweet. But it's it's actually some of her land that we're hopefully going to be hunting this September. Yeah. Well, there like, and even like, there's there's so much like quality bush up there, and like I personally haven't seen any grizzlies. I've seen grizzly tracks, and I actually, and I, Darren, I think I showed you two of the biggest cougars I've ever seen. Taken. Do you know how many people I show those photos to, and then they shit like they literally there's poo in their pants because they're <laughs> just like what? That's like a lion from the Serengeti. I'm like yeah. Well, those two cats were taken I think in February, and we were camping on that uh, section in end of November or whatever it was. So, and again, I don't know how much the cats move that time of year, but yeah, when the landowner sent me those, I yeah. A little uneasy sleeping out there. Yeah, I am 
I'm fully expecting my dumbass dog is going to be missing one day due to coyotes or those. You just, um, you never expect it. Like in Grizzlies too, like, I don't know, maybe I should have expected it, but big cats and Grizzlies, I guess. Yeah. I didn't think Grizzlies would be out there. It's a little too far north, but I guess not. Um, Scott has one more question for you. I forgot if you feel like answering it. Can you bow hunt a beaver? No. No. You already asked that question, dumbass. My question is, what's a great way to get kids into bow hunting safely? Um, I would like to know because I I think my son might enjoy it, but I don't want to teach him myself because I'm terrible at it, and uh, I don't want him to also be terrible at it. Bye. Thanks for coming tonight. Did you catch that? Yep, that's a good question. So I don't know why he thinks anything he's produced in terms of children would be a safe and reliable addition to the bull hunting community <laughs> like himself. <laughs> but <laughs> so I would say it, it applies to not just kids, but anybody in like from an entry level standpoint is get them comfortable, right? You never want to get into something and be uncomfortable. Don't take them out when the weather's crappy don't take them out with a setup that hasn't been set up properly or by someone that you trust. Um, you want to, and you know, I use, I know it's a weird analogy, but I use the example of like fishing, right? If you take your kid fishing and the weather sucks, there's no snacks. It's a terrible experience. And I guess it depends on the kid, but, um, you want to make it as like enjoyable or fun as you can. And I think that's just gonna aid, in, you know, whether it be safety or whether it's going to be something that they're going to continue to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I would say, like, if, you know, if he's thinking from a safety standpoint, is, you know, practice makes perfection, right? So if you can go outside and you can go and shoot in the summer and maybe that's something that it's like uh, him and his son have is like uh, every Saturday morning they go to Jimbo's or every Saturday morning they go to Calgary Archery Center and go for brunch after and it's kind of like their thing. Um, whether or not they go hunting after, it's still going to be memories that they have for, you know, years to come. And just like if you think of anything that you do, you're going to be safer and more comfortable, more practice and the more repetition uh, that you do doing something. I, that, that would be my only advice is, um, you know, shoot and practice well before you get into any hunting scenario. Um and now and yeah. there's kids kids equipment you can buy obviously. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Right yeah. down to you know, like the little recurve kids bows yeah. you can get. There's all kinds of little setups you can get. So Do you think recurve would be the the uh ideal place to start or like oh, get a kid compound and just get him seven? Yeah, he's not very big. Bad, bad friend alert. Seven? Yeah. I think he's <laughs> yeah, six. Like, but... <laughs> no, I think he's seven. Fine. Okay, maybe eight. Yeah. Could be 12. I don't fucking know. You can get them into recurve. Um, there are, like, little compound bows that you can get. And, you know, again, I'm not trying to sell the guy. But uh, you can definitely get into... That Cabela! <laughs> you can definitely get into, like, a little setup. And the thing about that is the sooner you get him shooting something like that, he's going to learn the the habits, learn the routine, learn the, the functions of a compound bow, right? Especially if he wants to get into hunting. So... Uh, he's got another, what is it, five years, so I think he can start hunting when he's 12. Um, the the minimum weight uh, regulations is 40 pounds of draw weight that you have to be able to mm-hmm. pull back. 
to be able to hunt big game. Um, but yeah, like I said, if I had any advice for someone getting someone young like that is just make it fun, make it an event, make it yeah. um, enjoyable and not like a chore or like uh, an obligation kind of thing. Like, and like yeah, I said, yeah. even if it's like you go turn for, it into a sport, you know, go for brunch after, just make it like a dad and son kind of thing every Saturday or Sunday yeah. or whatever, right? And if you want equipment, Cabela's is the only place you can find you, it. Yeah, only buy it. Use the discount code Young Hunt. Nope, nope. <laughs> don't use that. <laughs> you can try it. I don't think. Uh, um, okay, so because you're a huge hunter, and I have, um, I have done hunting, and. <laughs> and, I, and I read about I, no, I read about this on like the forums and stuff. And I wanted—I don't know if I've talked to you about this because usually every time we talk, pretty half in the bag. Yeah, not unlike at this current point now, um, after fourteen AGDs. The te- but, technical um, difficulties before filming were uh, awkward because so so stressful because I had to drink through them. <laughs> um, okay. So I was reading in a bunch of forums and because um, this always happened when Matt and I would hunt a specific area in around Lake Pritis is that you would hear the crows just stirring a racket as no matter how noisy, how quiet you're walking through the forest. And first instinct is like, like you're busted, right? Like, fuck, it's basically an alarm. Deer are going to scatter because, you know, they're making a fuss so they think something's wrong. But I was reading on these forums that what's actually happening is that crows are so smart that they are actually trying to inform you that there is a deer in the area because they know that if you kill it, you will leave a, a, a minimum a gut pile, which is basically a multi-day feast for them. Now, I was skeptical on this, and I want to say we were bow hunt- we were out there, Matt, and I was bow hunting, and you had a rifle, or we both had rifles. But anyway, we weren't seeing anything out there. And I was walking, and I heard, like, just the cawing, the ruckus. And at this point, I was like, fuck it. I don't see anything. So I started walking towards them. And I was damn near within 20 yards of those crows, when two white tail just up out of the woods. God, I wasn't ready because I'm like, this is bullshit. This is basically like QAnon <laughs> conspiracy shit I'm following. Two white tail up and ran because I spooked him. That's why I've never, I've never heard that. But I don't know. Ravens and crows are crazy smart, though. That's interesting. I want to believe it. I want to believe it, too, based on my single experiment which if you follow the scientific method basically means it's true so if they if they were making noises because they were trying to attract you to that that's one thing if they were making noises because they saw something moving in the trees just like maybe it's no different if they saw you or me moving in the trees they'd make a ruckus and you you just follow the noise i'm gonna try and jog your memory on this one matt this, I have no memory. Now that I think about it, there's another time. Remember, same area. We were going slow because I this time this is when I, I think, 
shortly after, shortly before that doe fucked off on me with the bow, that the crows were making a huge fuss. And then we heard, because we were on a bit of a, we were coming up to a ridge and then it, you know, went down into a bit of a valley. I think we walked it at some point. Doesn't matter. But do you remember that after, shortly after those crows or during their ruckus, we heard that buck stomp and snort and then fuck off because it was, we had spooked it. I don't remember that, but it doesn't mean it's not true. I have an awful, awful memory. Sorry. Sorry, I can't. All right, I, so it's I true. Can't. So 100% is true. Yeah. There you go. Two instances that we've been alerted to deer yeah. via angry crows. So if, if there's one more instance we've been alerted to deer and has nothing to do with crows, is you and I decided to climb this fucking hill... <laughs> We sat on it means we're zero for zero for deer. Yeah, we sat on a hillside, <laughs> zero for three, and we huffed a backpack full of beers up to the hill. And it was like nine in the morning. Sun rises up. We're watching this valley, and we were spooked out by a buck who came out in a trail behind us. And the only reason though that we knew that was there is because he snorted and snuffed and made a ruckus behind us, where we were too happy having a beer first thing in the morning to give a fuck. No, we gave a fuck. We just were too stupid to do anything about it. Not untrue. We'd walked, we had, we had, we had scanned the area, like done a proper hunt walk for, cause there's only a quarter section. So we'd done it for about two hours and we got to the top of this hill and we we're like, there's no fucking deer here. Like barely. Oh, so there was, there was lots of sign. It was wolf tracks everywhere. That's yeah. Wolf. Yeah. Dog and cat tracks everywhere. And we sat down on this log, and 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 we we were we were looking over we're, to the far far slope of the hill or mountain or whatever you want to call it, and we saw one single deer, and it was clearly a fawn, just sleeping by a bush. And we're like, we're like, this is it, we're done. And we cracked a couple beers, and we're sitting there, and then all we heard was crunch, crunch, angry snort, right like right behind us. It's like, and it was like, Oh no. And then it fucked off. Gone forever. That was, <laughs> that was, like, that was we got, we got, we have been hunted by a deer. Yeah, we were humiliated. It was awful. <laughs> yeah. I think we just went and napped after that. Cause we're like, well, have you, have you ever had a miss like that, that close? Like where you go in and like you bust something out bad, or it busts it no, busts like, you. <laughs> the deer finds you because you're so fucking inept at what you're doing. No, we're talking to Cody. It's it's not not the truth. No, right. I don't I don't know if I've I don't know if I've like mistakenly walked in on like there's like bears and stuff. I'll you'll come into a site or whatever, and they'll be in there and not too happy you're in there. Um. No, I don't think so. Yeah, so top it up, Darren. We're retards. <laughs> we're the worst. <laughs> what, Cody? What is the what is the worst? Not the worst. Yeah, I guess. Like, what is the biggest miss in your books? You were just like, damn it! I had so many. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Thank God! Oh, I'm not the only <laughs> not one. <alone. laughs> Like miss and in the sense that like like just like 
an error on my end? Like, it, does it have to be like, uh, like you can pick, a shot pick or like, you can have like, like, it, fuck, yeah, I it can't... could be an error or it could be a, you just like a, a call you had to make to not take it. There's well, there's a pretty bad, like error last year, actually, that took place that it was just like, it almost seemed like a curse that just wrecked my whole, like we had a really good elk hunt last year. Like we, we filled two or three tags last year, which was fantastic. But so we got lots of time, right? Mm-hmm. Never ending. All right. As much time as you want. So last year, um, got the green light from uh, from the boss, and I actually got an e bike last year. So where we go, you can't actually take ATVs. So it's like there's no designated trail. So I ended up getting this e bike. Um, Why not a horse? Where horse. am I going to put it? Horses are terrible. Yeah. Sounds like a later problem. <laughs> it's a, yeah, future Cody problem. So I get this e bike. I order it in March thing doesn't show up i'm not even kidding like the day before we leave for our elk trip so take it out of the box get it all set up and like kind of figuring it all out charge the batteries and uh so we go out and without really knowing much about this e-bike like i have this game cart that i used as somewhat of like a trailer on this uh, e-bike so like the company advertises like 150 kilometer range on this e-bike so i figured we had tons of juice and uh can put a, a reasonable amount of gear on this trailer that I had and take it back. So we go back, um, kind of follow this ridge, and then there's a pretty steep hill that, you know, we kind of underestimated. And um, so I had my bow actually mounted on the handlebars. I had, like, a, one of those, like, ATV mounts for the handlebars. And uh, I kept rattling around on there. So I took my quiver off, quivers, obviously full arrows, um, put that on the trailer, strapped that down, and then, when we went down to try and get up the other side where that hill was, um, without me knowing this, I guess my quiver had fallen off in the tall grass. Well, without knowing, we kind of kept going and made the decision that I was going to turn back with the bike, go back, you know, whatever it was, probably like five kilometers back to the truck, get in the truck, drive around to this other spot to try and come in the other way. So the two guys I was hunting with, they just, they walked into camp from there, set up, I rode out, got in the truck, came all the way around, and um, I was going halfway in, and I saw that my battery meter, that the battery was dying on the e-bike. And I'm halfway in, and I'm about to go in the backwoods for 10 days. So I made the decision halfway in, I'm like, okay, well, my battery's, like, what's the point of having a dead e-bike for 10 days? Like, this is ridiculous. So I ended up riding out, um, went back to the truck again, drove into Fort McLeod, got a hotel, stayed the night, charged the batteries in the bike, and then uh, kind of doing, you know, that spot check on all my gear. I'm like, where's my quiver? Texted the guys because they were at camp. I said, hey, do you guys have my quiver? Like, no, we don't have it. Maybe it fell off. I'm like, all right, well, I'm going to leave first thing in the morning, come into camp, and then we'll take a look. So they went and looked for the quiver that morning. I rode the bike the that same way back in, got in. And uh, I brought one arrow because I always bring like a quiver full plus an extra arrow in the truck. So I had one arrow that I just put in my backpack um, with an expandable broadhead and uh, go, go back into camp. And we never did find my quiver. Uh, we looked for it for, you know, a good half of the day, never found it. So there's a couple hundred. Have it. Yeah, a couple hundred bucks just sitting out there. Um, so anyway, 
so never found this quiver, got to camp, okay, settled in, and then uh, it happened, I think this was like the Monday that we were in there, and then on the Wednesday, that's just, I don't know if it's what it was, but the elk just started going off, and we got in tight on a herd, and um, we were able to call a bull in to like 20 yards, and I'm at full draw on this thing, this thing's right in my wheelhouse, draw back, shoot, hit this thing turns around and you know takes like i don't know 20 strides and then stops and then it's kind of hunched over and walking away and pretty decent blood trail and um that was the that was the day like i said where they were just going off and the elk were still freaking out in there and screaming their heads off and my other buddy who still had his tag he uh we were able to call another one in for him he shot his his went down so we're thinking okay wow like with a matter of like 30 minutes we got two bulls down so it turns out we never ended up finding my bull, um, tracked it for, I don't know, probably 500 yards, uh, spent the whole day looking for it, never did find it. Um, so I'm not sure if by, you know, calling those other bulls in for my buddy after the fact that I'd shot mine, I don't know if that the herd busted out and kind of like we talked about earlier with, um, you know, that adrenaline. So it's hit, yeah. maybe you head down, and the herd gets up and moves out of the drainage. Well, does that bull get up and move out with the, the rest of the herd? So, um, yeah, that was probably the biggest debacle, hunting debacle I've had was one with the e-bike. And, you know, I didn't mention that on the way out that night. I biffed it. I totally bailed over the handlebars and ate it pretty bad. <laughs> so, yeah, I wasn't in the greatest mood. But, you know, at the end of the day, we – we uh we finished the trip off with two two dead bulls and should have been three, but oh well. Wow. Well, you came up with something. Three. That's that's a good story, at least. Yeah, but yeah, that just I don't know what it is. Like just that for us that week thirty eight um, and some about the Wednesday. Every Wednesday, it's almost like every year, and like I'll kind of keep a bit of a journal of you know certain different variables that we find year over year. In week 38, if I could pick any day of the year out of a 365-day calendar, it'd be the Wednesday of week 38. I don't know what it is, but just so what is just to go on. what is week 38? September 20th. Uh, I think this year it's the 14th. But that's out, and now you have a spot that you go to every. And I'm not expecting you to tell us where that is because yeah. that's uh, that violates so many different codes. Um, but uh, you you do have a spot that you go to every year, yeah, and uh, uh, and and that's what you're talking about, like that that area and that week thirty eight is is just like it seems to be the sweetest. I don't know what it is, like, and it's and it, honestly, like, I have a like a journal in my phone, like back to 2016. Every week thirty eight, the Wednesday, I, whatever it is, it's just. So is is it crown land or private land in like bush country? Yeah, it's both. So we've killed three bulls on crown and two on private. Okay. So we have permission on the, it's, it borders right to the, the crown to the private. Yeah. Like I said, I don't know what it is. And like, if you, you know, if you really want to nerd out about elk hunting, if you were to look at a moon phase calendar, the week 39 would actually be the ideal week for the moon phase because in that week 38 there's there's supposed to be a full moon and they say it's not ideal because they can stay out and feed all night because the this the sun or the the moon right and there's lots of light so 
yeah. Uh, I don't play too much into the moon phase. Uh, you know, like I said, for us, it's uh, week 38 seems to be the one, the, the week. And it's crazy because, like, like that Monday, Tuesday, like nothing's calling. Like we're we're seeing elk, but like nothing's responding to bugles. Um, the one bull we got early in the week, um, that thing came in dead silent. Came in dead silent. Like we, um, there's this guy named Paul Medell. He's got a he's got a podcast too, or he's a, he's a guest on all these podcasts, and uh, they call him the Elk Nut. And he talks about this uh, calling sequence called the slow play. And what you're trying to emulate is um, uh, like a small herd of cows where a bull is like making its way into the small herd of cows and he's kind of displaying and kind of showing off to these cows and you're kind of trying to engage or fire up another bull in the area. And that's 100% what we did on the first bull. Like he came in dead silent and uh, it worked. Um, guy that we hunt with, he then came broadside 20 yards in front of him. He shot it and didn't go, it went like 60 yards. But So what kind of terrain is this that you're you're hunting your elk in? Is it mostly grassland or is it wooded or is it a wooded. healthy mix? It, wooded, yeah. It, yeah, like they're, like we're hunting kind of like the, like the, where we are there, it's like a, a, it's a big drainage, but it's a bunch of like fingers that run into this drainage kind of, it's hard to explain, but, um, a lot of the, like a lot of the elk, like they're hanging out on those north facing slopes. Um, especially like in that September when it's still hot, um, yeah. in the spring, you'll see animals hanging out on the south facing slopes to catch the warmth, but yeah, they're going to hang out on those north facing slopes. So if you're going to target, um, animals, like what we found is like in where we hunt, it doesn't pay us any, any benefit to get up super early and, you know, go bashing through um, bush that we don't know what's in there. Like four so, in the morning in the dark. No, we don't, we don't even bother. Like we're yeah. like, we're at a point now where we get up, we kind of make our coffee and kind of go to this like little glassing perch. And all we're doing is we're trying to locate bull, like either visually locate or bugle and kind of get a bull to respond back to us just because like where we are with the thermals and that's a whole nother, I'm sure podcast episode we could talk about is wind thermals and playing the wind. But um, so, you know, once the Hunting sun tactics, start, yep. once the stun, sun starts heating everything up, those thermals are, the wind thermals are going to come up the hill, right? And then in the evening, once things start cooling down, the wind's going to start going down into the drainages. So, so much of your, your success or your ability to get in on elk is that wind, right? So we're, we're a hundred, like hundred percent playing the wind and figuring out where, like, I, I, I don't want to just go into an area cold for the most part and trying to figure out where an elk is. I want to locate it first, figure it, figure that out, get the wind right, and then make an approach and then try and get in as close to that herd as I can and then start challenging uh, either the satellite bulls or the herd bull. That's incredible. Um, One of my questions for you is uh, how much, if I'm getting into hunting or even if I'm like a average hunter, how much beer should I be bringing? Depends how far back you're hiking. How much weight you want oh, yeah. to carry? You know, there's there's the weight there's the weight issue. Yeah, all right. Yeah, I guess like if you're road hunting, you can just flat so after flat in the back. Maybe you got to switch over to the hard stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Like we we really uh, we're more of the vodka and meal kind of guys. Oh yeah, I'll tell you, and Matt can attest to this. 
that there, whenever we're walking in anywhere, there's a significant portion of gear that just doesn't make the cut because they're in my backpack. There's a Jack Daniels fire department mm-hmm. and a full bottle of Jack Daniels fire has to fit in there because when it's cold, you got to stay warm. Yeah. And distracted from animals walking up and busting you. Yeah. But, yeah, but here's the thing, and this, I don't think, aside from that one time, well, no, technically that even counts. No, we've done... There's a saying that we have, beer means deer. And, and, and what, I think what actually happens is the minute you stop looking for them is when you see them. Yeah, so the minute yeah, you sit down, nice. you crack a beer, you open your jack fire, and you're just like, fuck, I just need a minute, and you're not ready, you're like... Oh, look at that seven-point fucker. Yeah. Well, that happened this year when we were moose hunting. So it was kind of the end of the night. Like, we tr- went and tried this spot, and we didn't have a lot of faith in it. But we, we called a little bit, and we just, you know, cracked a pop kind of thing. And it's like as soon as it we cracked him open, this bull comes, like, walking across this slough. And it's yeah. like, and, and it, like, it didn't work out. Like, he ended up getting behind us and winding us. And, um but it is kind of funny how, like, as soon as you kind of let your guard down, it's almost like they know. Beer, mean, beer means deer. Yeah. Matt, was it you that was telling me the story of uh, was it some guys at work? They were elk hunting, and the guy went off and was literally, like, leaning against a tree, taking a shit. Mm. And an elk walked. And he was, like, right on the edge of a cut line, taking a shit. Oh. And an elk walked by, and he ended up, he just grabbed his rifle in, like, full squad, just like, bam! Yeah, <laughs> so, so that... That story is a little bit extensive on that is uh, the the dude who shot the elk was a fat as all fuck motherfucker who couldn't truly walk and he was taking a break back because he couldn't walk up the hill and he stopped to take a shite on the trail and as everybody walked forward and, you know, well on gone, that's when he got his breath after wiping his ass and that's when the bull elk walked out on the trail and it just dropped dead. As this fat fuck who couldn't make it up the mountain <laughs> dropped an elk at the entrance. Everybody else after yeah. taking a shit. Yep. That would happen. Yeah. Takes all well, Matt, you were the fat fuck who couldn't make it up the mountain? It, yeah, that's me. It was you. It was no. me. Well, you were you had uh I think it's the point is like is when you least expect it, right? Like you had a bead on a on on several elk. Um, a few years ago and you were making the humane choice not to shoot because you didn't have an ethical shot. Yeah. And at that moment, a raging four point whitetail came charging down the hill within like 20 meters of you. He was, and stood there and was like, motherfucker. And you were just like, I, I can't not. It was, it was more like, like five meters, he was grunting and oh, snorting shit. on the other side of a fence. I was, uh, I was kind of pushing these elk up a hill, trying to get a bead. I had a, a a small bull in my sights, and it walked up the hill. So I started to follow it up, and I heard busting through the trees a what I thought was elk at the time, but it was this this nice four point uh, white tail buck pissed off as hell and he came charging down the hill at me and we were on the opposite side of a fence line and we were i was on a cut line on the one side of the fence and he was on the cut line on the other so it was within 
Like I, I had a hard time pointing my gun at him and looking to the scope. And it was just like, well, he sit there and he's right across from me, snorting and stomping. And I look up the hill and I see the elk kind of disappear and he's still there. I'm like, well, I guess, I guess you're dead. So shoot from the head. It was, it was so close. It was like, I, I didn't really know what to do. It was like, I, I saw fur and I shot and he, he made it like a foot and he just expired right in front of me. Yeah. Um, Term of the day expired. Yeah. Yeah. It was, that was, that was pretty crazy, but he's that, uh, uh, buck coming down the hill is what pushed the elk out of the area. Like they, they heard him and they took off. So I don't think I would have caught them anyways. So it was pretty good. I was happy. Yeah. Those kind of situations, like those storytelling kind of situations make up for all those like super slow days or the days you go out and you see nothing or right. Yeah. I think my, my favorite episode of meat eater so far that I've watched is when they take the time and the effort. I think he has Joe Rogan with him and they fly up to some fucking place, remote area weather's garbage and they come home with nothing nothing is that that black what they do yeah that the black the Sika, yeah sika yeah. yeah 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 and i'm just like absolutely because i'm never going back there people yeah and that goes back to my comment of people like oh rifle hunting so easy it's like well sure kind of like if you're by your dad's place matt where the deer <laughs> roam around like they're in a zoo yeah. uh, and you just pull up to your pickup truck, fall out, accidentally let your gun go off and get two. Um, yeah, not fair. But if you're doing a proper hunt in proper terrain, not on a game farm like in America or wherever, um, like that situation where you go out and you're like, I am going to get a fucking deer today, nine times out of ten, you're not going to get a deer today yeah. or tomorrow. Or the next day, and even if you do have a shot, a it couldn't be ethical. It might not be ethical. It might be out of range, or you might just straight up miss. Right, Matt? I've never missed. Uh, no, <laughs> no. Actually, I ran out of bullets this year because I missed so much. Uh, speaking of that, Cody, I need you to find bullets and put them on the side for me because they are unavailable. So whenever that happens, just give us a dingle. What, what do you shoot? Just seven. I shoot the cheapest seven mil Winchester one seventy five grain you can buy, and they used to be twenty five bucks, and now they're like something seventy or sixty five or so. And I still have time. Me up to I, I still can't find them. Mil, so, so I actually I shoot. I just bought a seven mil last year, the year before, and because I had such a hard time finding ammunition for it and the stuff I want to shoot, I actually started reloading. Oh, yeah. So that's an entire topic that I would love to pick that's your brain a whole on. New topic. Yeah. 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 It, and honestly, like going into reloading, like, very little, very little like experience before I started reloading. But that's such like another rabbit hole you could go down is the reloading and just nerding out on it. And it's kind of like where we talked about with the arrow stuff, right? It's like you can, you're, like what we talked about, you're just scratching the surface, but like reloading is like, Man, it it's such it's a whole nother world and like just with the, the way ammunition is and just the 
the scarcity of you be able to find the ammunition you like to shoot is that that's just the decision I made is just, I'm going to just make reload my own. And yeah. it's, it's insane that bullets have become that scarce in Canada. So again, not a plug, but like we, we got a huge shipment like last week of a, a pile of ammo. So like we haven't been this full in like over a year. So it's, it is getting better. And like the, it's cheaper ammo that we like we're we're seeing now, but um, at least like you can come into the store and you can find seven mil ammo. You can come in, you can find two seventy, you can oh, find nice. thirty out six. Like before, like someone yeah. would come in like, oh hey, do we two seventy? It's like <laughs> no, we haven't had two seventy like eight months. Yeah, so so what you're saying is if you need ammunition, go to Cabela's. I was just gonna say or, if you need ammunition, get Cody to reload it for you. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Um. You probably want to get to sleep. I know it's late. Um, this has been a blast. Cody, thank you for yeah. just agreeing to do this. Yeah, that looks um, I appreciate honestly, it, Cody. I am definitely going to ask you again because, like you said, I've got like four other topics now that I'm like, let's get nerdy on this shit. Uh, yeah. Well, when you're it's just fun to nerd out, right? Like, it's just fun to just talk about what you're passionate about, right? And, uh, what else are you going to do when the kid's sleeping? Right? Drink drink beer and talk about hunting. Yeah. yeah. There's literally nothing else you can do. <laughs> yeah. uh, so um, on that note, Cody, thank you very yes, much. Yes, sir. Thank you. This has been an absolute pleasure. Yeah. Um, I expect you to come hunt with us at least for a day. Well, actually, it's kind of embarrassing. I'm not sure if he should. It, it might be one of the things we meet up with him yeah. after the fact because... Come drink with yeah, us. There you go. <laughs> There's we got, we got beds and a warm fire. So awesome. Okay. Thanks a lot, Cody. Appreciate awesome. it. Thanks very much, buddy. Thanks. Have a good one. Yeah. Oh my god, that guy's a gem. Dude, I could have talked to that dude for at least a couple more He's hours. He's coming back. Is he coming back? Oh no, it's probably uploading. Okay. Yeah. I had like easily two more hours. Yeah, I uh, on a on a on a scale of simple Jack to Jim Carrey from Dumb and Dumber, how stupid you feel? Yep. After talking to someone yep. with actual knowledge, <laughs> Dude, we once had a deer hunt us. Right. <laughs> He's like, oh no, I I oh got I got three bulls last year. I think uh, the best contribution was from Scott. Yeah. And his two mailing mailing questions. <laughs> <laughs> can you hunt beaver don't check the regs let's ask this question yeah. um but this has been uh a fucking blast and i'm gonna get here i, I want to get him back for like four more topics absolutely absolutely yeah if you'll come back after this you may never talk to me again but so on the bear hunting thing i didn't think i was so interested in for years i've had little appreciation for it but ever since I've been doing the uh, this head taxidermy thing that I've been doing, it's which follow at Plainsman Euro. Yeah, or you could on Instagram. Yep, there's there's heads on there. There's an awful lot of deer heads and elk heads, and oh my god, big fucking moose head, fucking giant moose. Moose are the biggest pain in the ass. But anyway, so a bear, I had zero appreciation until recently to go get myself. And now that I've been doing this, I significantly want to do for to get my own head and 
to do my own hand at uh, you want a rug taxidermy my own rug. It, rug. it might not be good. Like with the head on it, rug? Uh, something. Getting something I'm, I'm happy to have on the floor is like a my trophy that I tanned and I did myself. That would be cool. I agree. Um, yeah, I don't even want to do what we learned because it was just too much. Uh, uh, what I, I learned is that... I learned that I don't know fuck all compared to Cody. Yep, I'm inadequate compared to Cody and I appreciate him coming on and making me feel like such a retard. So thanks. 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 And uh, on that note, uh, this was surprisingly nice, uh, even though Scott wasn't here. Yep. Bye, Scott. And Enjoy we'll... having your family time. Hey, Scott, you missed out. All right, buddy. Thanks okay, a lot. We'll see you later. Hey, nobody. Don't forget to stalk us on YouTube, Instagram, and wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. The information and opinions within this broadcast are those solely of three guys who barely know how to tie their shoes, let alone do anything functional in the real world. They are not to be taken as advice or as actual instruction on how to do anything we've mentioned ever. That is the end of this disclaimer.